And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's the Rugby Rant episode 95. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrari. That's Rob the Hammer Hammersmith, baby. Rob, how you doing, brother? Up, brother? I'm good. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, a weekend of COVID uh, shut us out, my wife and I, from making uh, the trip down to New Orleans. It was going to be the inaugural trip, and it's going to take my wife with me, and we unfortunately weren't there. And, of course, Nola Go put on a show this weekend, so... <laughs> Well, that's um, because you bit, weren't there, Rob. You're the mush. You're probably. Yeah, you but know, it was, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, we'll we'll get down there next season. So real quick, though, tell me about that hat, brother. Oh, man, this is a great hat. I, um, this is the uh, Rugby Ran hat, of course, from courtesy of American Rugby Outfitters, available on um, it is www. Of course, you don't need to say that anymore, do we? It's uh, <laughs> rugbygear.com. Right. Um, and if you go into the team section, slide down uh, rugby rent, we have our own shop. And uh, this is um, the fitted hat, which has the flex fit, which is real comfortable. It fits uh, big heads. It fits uh, little heads and uh, all those heads that are in between and uh, nice big logo. So we show it off. I, I like it. I'm digging this hat. I wear it quite a bit. I like the black um, yeah. goes with everything. Absolutely. And if you use the code, Rant 25 through the end of May. You get 25% off all your rant gear. Go check it out. We got t-shirts. We got hoodies. We got golf shirts. We got the uh, the uh, fitted hats, man. A ton of great stuff. Love repping the rugby rant. You guys should too. And but real you know, quick, we've, we've, been sending some, we've been sending some players uh, a few bits uh, just to you know, say thanks and, mm-hmm. and to get the name out there a little bit. And uh, We saw Carmeyer last week. Uh, wearing the Rugby Ranch shirt. And uh, from what I understand, we have Chris Robshaw coming up in a couple of weeks. He will not be wearing it on the show because of requirements by the team, but he is uh, going to gonna get a picture or video of him wearing the gear. So you can you can be like Chris Robshaw and Carl Meyer. <laughs> That's, can you say awesome. That? <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, right now we're going to get to our Around the Pitch segment. Yeah. And I'm going to kick off the around the pitch. I mean, we already kind of knew, um, unfortunately, by the time episode 94 dropped, the yeah. news was out that uh, the United States uh, was awarded the 2031 Men's World Cup and the 2033 Women's World Cup. It's it's official. The United States has won that bid. Um, you know, it, it, it's what else could we say? I mean, it's something that that me and Rob were, were so happy that we could we could get, I mean, it even got support from president Joe Biden, as far as sending, you know, uh, uh, letters to world rugby about the bid, um, a big group of big names here in the States, create a bid committee to send that bid. And obviously they did a stellar job for getting that bid. And just some of the cities that they talked about here, they actually have a long list of cities that wanted to, uh, pursue the opportunity to host matches, Atlanta, Georgia, Austin, Texas, Baltimore, Maryland, Birmingham, Alabama, Boston, Massachusetts, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, Dallas, Texas, Denver, Colorado, Glendale, Arizona, Houston, Texas, Kansas City, Missouri, Los Angeles, California, Miami, Florida, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Nashville, Tennessee, New Orleans, Louisiana, New York, and New Jersey, Orlando, Florida, Philadelphia, PA, Pittsburgh, PA, San Diego, California, San Francisco, Bay Area, Seattle, Washington, and Washington, D.C. That's a great list. Yeah, and it's you know the think about the just the pure numbers of cities that are interested in hosting 
you know, some of the matches, pool play, et cetera, it gives you the idea that really the Rugby World Cup will be a big deal. And, you know, in nine years time, it will be a big deal. There's a lot of interest and hopefully we see the kind of growth that the MLS saw after the 1994 soccer world cup, it would obviously put rugby on the map, put the United States rugby on the map for sure. So um, my around the pitch, uh, you know, me, I like my collegiate rugby um, for obvious reasons, if you're familiar with the show, Uh, (laughs) but the collegiate rugby sevens down there in Kennesaw, Georgia, I think it was Kennesaw university that a really nice pitch, nice facility uh, crowned, uh, two champions, one of them not new, uh, Linenwood ladies um, beat life 32-0. Um, this is, I think, the fourth year in a row. Grudge match. Played. And, yeah, grudge match. And, of course, Linenwood um, had a four-peat. Um, really nice job. Had a Gave up a total of seven points, scored, at least in pool play, a total of 112 points. So uh, quite a run for the Linenwood Lions uh, ladies team. And uh, new champion down there. Uh, Linenwood was defeated by Life University. This is a rivalry. And once again, I think they played each other in the final for the last four years. Um, This was a great match. If you hadn't had a chance to go and check it out, um, you can go to Peacock, I believe. But uh, 24-19, Linenwood was down 17-0 going into the second half. And I thought all hope was lost. Al Preston was up in his room. He couldn't bear to watch. And uh, sure enough, his his roommate, Reese Smith, came back. Cheers to Reese. Good on you, mate. Scored uh, the try to tie it up. Um, and uh, um, Evan Williams uh, got the drop kick to uh, for the extras. That was awesome. And then just, you know, you know, sevens is what it is. They, they uh, gave up a try with an attempt to chip and chase, and it got knocked down. And um, life, you know, good on them. They, they played a hell of a game, and uh, they scored one to win it in a sudden death. But a great, great weekend of rugby for sure. Absolutely. I'm going to piggyback on that because this is what I found interesting in my next around the pitch topic. Um, Zach Test and Ben Pinkelman, uh, you know, USA seven coaches were there scouting the men's and the women's side for uh, future players to get on the Eagle squad. I'm sure they're also scouting for the Falcons too. Um, And, you know, um, they talked about how there was a void almost after the 2020 Olympics because you had a mix of, you know, older uh, uh, players, a mix of younger players. The older players, you know, we had we saw some people hang up their boots, Abby Gestitis, you know, being one of the, the, the women to do that. You know, so I think they realize that they need to come into the next uh, Olympic cycle and start getting the, that young talent ready. Um, obviously, we're not going to see that young talent be ready for France this weekend. But I think that I think they're seeing the forest of the trees and coming to the collegiate rugby sevens to watch them. Uh, that's a great way to scout. It's now showing players, hey, we could show up there. And this is a pathway to get to the seventh team. Absolutely. As well as should be. I mean, it's one of the, obviously collegiate, the collegiate pathway is something that has played a minor role. And now with the MLR draft, it's kind of taken a, a front seat, if you will, um, you know, to bigger and higher honors uh, and hopefully more eyes on the collegiate game will bring more money into the collegiate game, which can see an expansion of the collegiate game. And maybe we'll get more competition, not just the lice and the linen woods perennially, but some other teams uh, make a stand there. It would be great to see for sure. Um, we're going to move from uh, sevens uh, to the 15s game a little bit. And we're just talking about numbers. My next around the pitch is of course, we've been on it almost each week. Cause as uh, each week we have a new member of the 50 cap club. And I like, 
this list is interesting because we've had players and we've had multiple players and sometimes <laughs> yes, players that are on the same team join. But this week we had an interesting mix and this is why I love it. We have coach Nate Osborne, um, you know, Nola and now OGDC. He has coached 50 matches. Um, you know, I don't know that we're going to see another coach get that honor for some time yet. Um, then we had uh, Scott Green. Mm-hmm officiating 50 matches on the whistle and uh it was cool uh he was presented with a, a whistle and a cap so you're gonna see those now and then a player jp smith who i like this one because he played all 50 games with the same club the seattle seawolves and of course he won two uh mlr shields with seattle so that makes it pretty special on my mind that he's played all 50 games with one team not that he's the only guy that's in that you know in this club that's done that but it certainly makes it special for a guy who's achieved as much as he has with seattle absolutely and honestly i think this is one of the uh, our favorite parts is talking about the guys who are stalwarts who we know from day one have been playing in this game and and been either they've been a part of their team the entire time or they've split teams in almost dramatic fashion and you know, we're seeing players who've won the shield, who haven't won the shield, who've come close to winning the shield. And now we've finally got our first coach and our first official. That's really awesome. So I'm moving on to my next topic. And I'm talking about uh, women's rugby. We had the last week of Premier 15s. It was the regular season finale. And the, here are some takeaways. Um, Exeter beat Bristol 29 to 26. All 29 of Exeter's points were scored by North Americans. Think about I that. I almost spit out my coffee. Yeah, Kate Zachary. Uh, Janine Dedevo, uh, Gabby Corturna, um, Emily Totosi from Canada. All, they scored all 29 points. I, I, th- I mean, that's it's so, so there, there's hope for North American rugby in the Women's World Cup coming up here in the fall. I think folks should listen to Scott's list. He's been on this, yeah, for you know, for a number of weeks talking about the women's, uh, the U.S. women's team, uh, and the, the, mm-hmm. the, the training team as well as Team Canada. You know, look through the list and pay attention to those names because there's a lot of tremendous talent that's going to be playing this fall. And and real quick, one more. Saracens uh, did a come-from-behind win against the Wasps. Yeah. Um, Canadian winger Alicia Corrigan started the comeback just before, before halftime. And our girl, Alev Kelter, scored the match winner really late in the game and also kicked for three conversions. And Rob's going to show you a clip here. And that's 11 in the middle while the Saracens girls are doing their Tiki Tonga celebration dance in the locker room. Uh, being a Saracens fan, it, it made my day, man. Warms your heart, huh? Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> my last around the awesome. pitch here, um, you know, we just have the city edition jerseys uh, from a lot of teams. Um, and there were some really, really cool city edition jerseys, um, you know, uh, and, and it's good to see a lot of money being raised for various causes around the league. But with that in mind, of course, I'm wearing – I didn't bid on a jersey. It was a little too pricey for my blood, but I have the NOLA blood T-shirt on to celebrate the fact that, you know, Scott started with the uh, World Cup announcement. Um, it's kind of interesting that coincidentally, maybe, um, there were there was announced in NOLA.com that the uh, Louisiana, state of Louisiana, um, who owns the Shrine of the Airline, or what's now called the Goldmine, uh, is planning on doing an update and the update would in, uh, increase the seating capacity by by two, 
So uh, it'd be 20,000 seats. It would be reconfigured. So you're getting stands on both sides. There's a great graphic here. Okay. And uh, it would be able to accommodate soccer and rugby. And I think they're thinking that potentially there's going to be some kind of, um, you know, professional soccer being played in the pitch. Um, what does that mean? Well, I think in, in connecting the dots with some of those cities Scott spoke of, you know, there's the New Orleans has put in a bid. Now you not only have the Superdome that can host, you know, your major uh, tier one nations, but then, you know, the uh, gold mine could certainly host some of those lower tier nations um, and host a pool all in one city. So um, it, it certainly um, makes a, a bid for New Orleans uh, all that more, much more possible. Absolutely. And check out those, uh, those city uh, uh, landscape jerseys. I know a lot of them look cool. Rooney did something different. They went with their black on black neighborhoods Jersey, which they do every year now as a neighborhoods Jersey. Each of the hoops have all the neighborhoods of the five boroughs with a black on black and a nice on the shoulder. They got the subway system. And then on the, on the lower uh, uh, half of it, it says uh, RNY in the subway uh, letters, really mm-hmm. cool Jersey. So put on all those jerseys, get your favorite players uh, game worn Jersey going to a good cause and we're going to take a short break before we get to our rant tight head brewing company is not just chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers it is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every thursday and saturday nights additionally their wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant Podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. We just had our around the pitch, and now we're going with our Rugby Rant segment on our uh, – we'll call it the All-Canada uh, episode 95 here. We have our buddy Derek Brissett. Derek, how you doing? Oh, man, doing really good. I'm super psyched that you guys invited all the Canadians on to talk about the biggest moment in American rugby history. But <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's interesting, but we have, a, we have kind of a – a way we're going to go about it. And Derek is, is already fired up. He already did his, uh, this week's episode of the Rouge rugby podcast. Check that out on uh, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get podcasts. And we have back again, one of our favorite Canadian fans, Doug Wilkie. How you doing? I'm good guys. Good to be back. <laughs> nice. And again, yeah. Doug is one of the admins. Don't worry, I'll wake up. <laughs> He'll be good. He's just fine. so you know everybody what? knows. Doug is always trying to recruit somebody to be his neighbor up by his uh, lake home. So, you know, just pay attention to Doug's uh, posts, and he might give you an opportunity to, to to visit Canada and be his neighbor. All you need is a cool million for that little shack. There you go. What? I mean, prices are great here in Canada. <laughs> That's crazy. 
But Dougie's a little tired. I mean, he works all day. He coaches high school rugby in the afternoon. He has two crazy amped up kids. I'm sure, you know, the first time I meet him, I'm trying to feed him sugar just to ruin Doug's day. But uh, <laughs> Doug is, is one of the uh, admins for the Arrows. The big guy's up, that uh, kind of uncle. Yeah, I am yeah. that kind of uncle. Uh, the Arrows Up, which is the uh, the Toronto Arrows rugby club or uh, rugby uh, fan club. And uh, again, I think Derek and Doug probably four, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth time on the show. Um, yeah. And of course, you guys remember Rob from our last segment. Unfortunately, he stuck with us. There was no power <laughs> outage or you know, anything like that. So, Hey, rugby fans, once again, thank you for tuning in and watching us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. As a friendly reminder, what we do here can certainly not be done week after week without the help of some great partners, one of which deserves a highlight here with Shop MLR, now powered by RugbyNow.com. They are certainly the leaders when it comes to everything Major League Rugby related for you as the fan. So make sure you go and check them out today at shopmlr.com. And their deliveries may ship the very same day. And you could have your kit ready for the next game day. Uh, I think Derek alluded to it. So this is this is the topic. Obviously, last week, um, before our, our episode 94 aired, uh, Rug, uh, World Rugby had their vote in Dublin on who was getting the next couple Rugby World Cups. I believe it was uh, England's getting the women's in 2025. Then Australia gets 27 and 29. And then the U.S. gets 2031 for the men's and 2033 for the women's. So the question today on our uh, All Canada episode is, since the U.S. won the bid, are you surprised it wasn't a North American selection? Um, you know, I'm sure there's many variables. I'm sure there was multiple bids. Um, I know you know the U.S. had their own big committee to do it, and I wouldn't be surprised if we heard that there was a North American bid to do it, um, just you know because you want to play all your cards in that hand. Um, we're going to go around, uh, starting with Derek. I want the Canadians' perspective first. Um, two reasons, because I want to hear it. Second reason, I want you to waste all the topics so Rob has nothing to say. Derek, what do you <laughs> got to say, brother? Um, well, I, I think first, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I think, I mean... The last time, Scott, the last time you had me on your show, we were talking about the uh, the high performance review, which um, if uh, if you if you, know, you haven't gone back to listen to that episode again, um, it's uh, to sum it up really quickly. It was not good. Um, so like uh, based on like kind of, I guess, the state of Rugby Canada, um, Rugby Canada just hired a new CEO in Nathan Bombries, which um, who he brings an unreal rugby resume. And I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him joining Rugby Canada. Um, but like he hasn't even officially taken over yet. It's still uh, Jamie Levchuk is still serving as the interim CEO until Bombries arrives later in this summer. So I think there's still like obviously a lot of transition happening for Rugby Canada as far as like the governance level goes. Right. So um, for, for all those reasons, it's like I guess to just sum it up really quickly. It's like I'm not too surprised that this bid just was a, a USA bid and not a joint North American one. And just because of the state of rugby Canada at this point in time, right. With um, uh, both with the fact that uh, the men's team currently is not going to be playing in a world cup, at least with the next one. Right. Plus, you know, all the uh, administrative and issues that have been facing the organization. And they're just the, the overall, the, excuse me, the overarching, like, you know, change that is going to be coming to rugby Canada right now. Um, so I initially, no, I was not surprised. I know uh, Patrick Johnston, who's at Rising Action on Twitter, um, he mentioned that, you know, he believes that there's um, Rugby Canada and Rugby USA or USA Rugby have had some talks about hosting 
say a match or something mm-hmm. to that effect um, in the World Cup. And obviously the the, um, the venues and the cities that are hosting individual games haven't been finalized yet. So perhaps there's some possibility that, um, you know, Canada gets a game in a pool stage or maybe a pre-tournament game or something to that effect. Um, but ultimately, no, I was not surprised to see that it was all USA and not a joint North American bid. And, you know, the the funny thing about Nathan Bombry's uh, American running rugby. Canada. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's from uh, from from Michigan, played yeah. I think, in Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orange, Syracuse. yeah. yeah. Um, then, so uh, I just I found that an interesting tidbit you were talking about. Uh, since we're talking about all things American, it's funny. I think Derek's right. We brought the last time we brought Derek on was to talk about how terrible rugby Canada is doing, and now we're saying they missed out on rugby World Cup not only in 2023 but in 2031 yeah. as far as maybe getting a city. Um, so hopefully next time we bring Derek on, it'll be under a little more joyous circumstances. But no, I think you're, I think you're right. I think um, you know because there's they're in flux and in transition. Maybe it's not the best time for them to try and you know put together a bid when they had you know issues. They had players coming speaking out about their high performance uh, teams and issues they're having with coaches and administrators. Um, trying to figure out if Langford is still the best place to house Rugby Canada, um, you know, as a training center and a home. You know, so I think with all those questions up in the air and, and those several, I think there's you know two or three dozen questions that that report asked, I could see why you would think you know, it wouldn't be in the cards for them right now. But I want to hear what Doug Wilkie has to think. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me either. Um, let's be honest, in the North American pond, the USA is the big fish. And that is the market that, that the world rugby wants to corner. Um, mm-hmm. And we just happen to... We're, hopefully we can follow along on the coattails. I'd, I'd say, I, I don't think it would have been even possible to be a, a major part of the bid, but I'm, I'm still hopeful that there may be something happening. Like, you know, like Derek said, hosting a few games. Uh, it makes sense to me to have Canada play in Canada, because I think we could pr- possibly play those games in a, in a large stadium. Whereas if the, if those games are held and this is assuming Canada qualifies, of course, but uh, if if those games are held in the states, you know that that might be a game that you can't really play in in one of the major stadiums. But maybe uh, if if it's held in Canada, you can definitely create much more revenue and uh, and and sell out, you know, BC Place or or uh, something to that effect. So maybe Nathan Bombery was brought in par- partially to help, you know, an American bring an American to the table to help. Uh, to help maybe with some of that uh, negotiation to uh, have a few games up in Canada. That's interesting, you know, because I, I would think the ideal result for both, you know, Rugby Canada and, and USAR, obviously they're going to be in different pools when they make their America's one and two uh, qualification. So pool play for Rugby Canada should be in Canada for those other what five teams, you know, or four teams plus Canada. And then obviously the Americans pool play is in the States. And then they, you have the other pool play in the States as well, but at least, you know, Canada will get those four matches, uh, you know, against those other teams and at least say, you know, maybe you're not getting the semifinals, the quarterfinals and stuff like that, but you got four matches. It's an, I think enough at, at this point with everything, you know, we, you know, had so much logistics with so much logistics. I think four matches would have been ideal. Um, having to bid that way. And maybe that's something that's still being negotiated. I mean, they say it's a United States thing, but we we're nine years out. So who knows what those cities are? I mean, I mentioned them previously in our around the pitch segment. There's a lot of cities that are, have already put in submitted to get some of these matches. So maybe it's going to be not even 
let's say uh, a specific stadium getting pool play. Maybe it's a region getting pool play, and you're not playing at the same stadium every time. Here's um, the way. Now, yep. go no, forward. go ahead. No, no, go, no, no. Oh, you're all yours, Doug. I was just going to say, like, even if not having to wake up at two in the morning to watch a game, <laughs> just like you know, having yeah. it in our time zones, yeah. um, I think it's going to be huge. So I like beggars can't be choosers. I, even if it's all in the States, I'm all in. If it's in the summer, I'm a teacher. I'm off those two months, man. I am traveling all over to the States to go to any, every game possible. So listen, first of all, take the week off. Listen, I've got my that time. I'm going to be retired. I don't care whether it's summer or not. I'm there. So I don't know when your retirement uh, comes along, but uh, you're welcome to stay at the hammer's house. Anytime. If you have the the time of uh, to come down in retirement and, and watch some matches. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Listen, I got to be move on to the couch for me. And I'm going to hundred percent. You're talking about the timing and I'm already going, shit, I got a frigging schedule vacation for this one uh, because I don't want to be at work. Not me. To... <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, again, we t- how many times do you have to say it? You're old. When you, when you were finishing playing rugby. Works in my favor this time. Jesus was still a friggin' rookie when you were finishing your career. I'm just shocked that USA rugby doesn't hook you guys up with just free stuff now. So. I mean, it's Where do you ridiculous. That complaint in? I mean, well, that's you know what the problem is. They're still asking me for my dues as a non non playing member. <laughs> because money. So I don't think they're giving me free anything. Hey, they but, got um, listen, some my buddy David Fee uh, hooked me up with a shirt, so I was happy about that. <laughs> under eighteens, he got an under eighteen. Shirt. No, no, it's a, it's a oh, it's, it's training oh, top. Oh, it's training top. Training top. Yeah, complete. You know what? It's probably from when Dave was on the Eagles twenty years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's too small for me. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The per the one the one voice we haven't heard from is the non Canadian in the group. Hammer, what do you think about this topic? It's a voice that matters. Um, listen, uh, it's a shame, but I'm not surprised. Uh, hopefully, in nine years' time, they can negotiate something like what uh, the Jet mentioned, which is to have a few matches, especially if they were Canadian um, rugby Canada matches up in uh, Canada. That would be awesome. But let's let's face the facts. At this juncture, we have two, um, you know, unions that are having their own struggles independently, right? And for them to be able to organize a joint bid was a pretty big undertaking when you've got all these entities involved. And, you know, from World Rugby to this separate entity that's the, you know, called the American World Cup bid. And then you have, you know, USA Rugby. And then to ask Rugby Canada, which is a little bit in flux to be involved in this. And it's almost like too many, um, you know, hands in the honeypot, if you will, uh, at this juncture, but hopefully in nine years' time, some negotiations could happen. It would be nice, as I said. Um, but I think one of the things we got to realize is take a little bit more zoomed out approach, and that is visa and travel restrictions. If we were to, you know, reel back to 1987, it would be an entirely different thing getting across the border for people coming into the United States, you know, going back and forth, right? Wouldn't be nearly as difficult. But I think, you know, in this day and age, travel restrictions being what they are. You know, uh, obviously we live in, you know, COVID's changed our mindset quite a bit. It makes it a little bit more difficult. Historically, look at some of the World Cups we're talking about. 20, uh, uh, sorry, 20, 2003, it's all Australian. You know, it wasn't a joint Aussie-New Zealand bid. Uh, 2011, all New Zealand. 2019, all Japan. You know, they weren't sharing any host cities. When do we see, you know, joint countries host? It's when it's in Europe and the travel restrictions given the European Union setting, a little bit easier to travel across borders there for people to go to different venues across borders. And I think that makes a big difference, right? One of the last things I think is important to remember is that, 
you know, some of those smaller nations like Wales can't host a World Cup by itself, right? It just doesn't have the venues, doesn't have the size. The U.S. does, right? So, I mean, Scott talked about it around the pitch, 24 or something like that, 25 cities are, are thinking about putting bids in. I mean, you know, you only need five, maybe six. Uh, Japan, I think, had eight. But we have the infrastructure to do it um, and, and put on a great show. And geographically, they would be very spread out, which is going to make it difficult as it is to get, you know, for people to visit different venues. Absolutely. And I think what people don't realize, and this is like a behind the scenes MLR thing, and maybe it's just some of us insiders know that specifically this year in the MLR in 2020, we're talking about 2022 right now, we're seeing teams that have to go play in Toronto can't bring players from other countries because of visa issues. So if it's hard for, let's say, South Africans to get into yeah what is, no it's this it's serious though it's a serious thing if it's hard it for south tough. africans to get into canada and you guys end up in like in 2019 where you were in a pool with south africa and then they have to go from the united states you know the canada to the united states or vice versa you know it's it, it, it i think it's going to be visa issues galore and you know we're seeing it right now and it's funny i still don't understand some of the visa issues sometimes when Guys are coming off legitimate contracts from like super rugby and premiership. And they have a piece of paper that said they got paid X amount to play rugby in their, their country uh, on a contract that's legally binding. And the immigration judge goes, I don't understand. That's not proof enough that you're a professional rugby player. I don't know. It just seems magical to me uh, that it's, it's not as simple as just showing you the fact that I had a contract to actually play rugby somewhere else. And now I have a new contract, but is anyway, it, is it visa issues though, or is it non-vaccinated? players yeah no, well i mean it's a visa issue whether it's vaccinated it, it's they didn't get the visa because they're vaccinated or they're not getting the visa because if we're dealing with covid in 2031 you know, i will um, i was gonna well, say yeah it's like we're talking about the travel but, restrictions and stuff man i hope this is gone. i'm just i'm just saying you know but it could be it could also be you know some some countries are on economic and other type of sanctions with certain countries and it could throw you off you know as we see now you know with russia and all there uh, um, athletics are, you know, not being allowed to play, you know? So, and I'm not saying it's that drastic, but my point is we're yeah. seeing it right now well, in the MLR where guys yeah. are having a hard transition to go from the U S yeah. to Canada. I remember t- country, so. yeah, it was it a year uh, last season or the season before Nick Feeks, um, was changing his visa status. Cause he was getting off his, his, you know, student visa and going on and uh, a- applying for, I think, a um, you know, a, whatever, you know, whatever the visa number is or what it's called. And therefore, when Nolan went up to travel to Toronto and he was playing quite well, by the way, so it had to have been two years ago, he wasn't allowed to, uh, you know, he wasn't allowed to travel. So he was left out of the left out of the mix for that one game. Hopefully um, those issues are taken care of in the MLR by the 2030. Yeah, final. like, like that like doesn't I'm, happen in the NHL or. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, obviously there's the temporary thing right now with like unvaxxed players in every league are, you know, dealing with that. If they got to play like the Raptors or Canadian NHL team or the Blue Jays are still doing that too. But it says like, hopefully by the time the world cup rolls around, hopefully like, hopefully that's gone. But I mean, uh, at the other end of it, like if you're talking about it right now too, is the arrows have to cross the border eight times a year and they played a full season down in the United States. Right. So, I mean, as Doug illustrated with his violin, um, yeah, but no, but the, you know that the, you know the restrictions for Canadians coming over to the states. I think the American players going over is a little different. Yeah, than it is a little. Guys coming from third party countries. I mean, just right. personally, I coming back from my honeymoon in London, we had a Canadian kid in front of us who went from Canada 
to London for a couple of days and then was coming back into New York. And he was hassled quite a bit on why you were oh, yeah. kind of going around the horn for it. So I'm just saying, like, you know, we, we see that from third party countries going, you know, trying to cross. And, and that's going to be the challenge, right? It's not necessarily for the players, right? They're part, part of a world event. It's it's more for fans, right? It's more yeah. the, the fan issue. I think, right? yeah, like, I, I, I do agree with that, too. I think it's, I think for, like, especially for the players, like, if you're hosting a World Cup, like a massive international event that, yeah. let's say, a minimum nine years of planning, I don't think visas are going to be an issue no. for going across the border for players no. to play games. If that was the case, like, I don't think that necessarily means that there's, I don't think that's an issue if you're determining if a game is going to happen in Canada or not, right? because it's like, you know, you got, you got like nine years to plan this. Right. So I think like you would have the time, the unions would have time to get everything sorted out for their players and stuff, especially if, as Scott suggested, you play like the Canadian pool games in Canada, then when did they announce the pools? Like they announced the pools for the world cup, like what, two years ago already, even for like, this upcoming world cup yeah because they'll they'll, they'll you tell you where america's one is with. and america's two is yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so you know who you're gonna pool with so you're gonna have the time to do that um as as doug said though hopefully the world's changed a little bit by the time 2031 rolls around too for travel restrictions and we get kind of back to normal but um well i mean who knows what's gonna happen at this point man so i think the next question should go to doug and this is gonna get us taken off facebook is COVID a hoax no, i'm just messing around <laughs> no, doug seriously so my question for you you have kids you have a wife you're gonna to want to travel to these events i mean if it if if it comes down to it the and kids and the wife are coming okay <laughs> don't tell my wife i said that <laughs> okay well solo dougie wilkie uh girls he's married don't go after him but let's say he's coming to the states are you are you would you try to come for a couple of pool matches or are you just going to try and go one and done? I'm just for you as a fan, like, would you try and package it in a couple like a week to see as much as you can or because it's so close, you know? Yeah, I, I it's going to depend on where the games are and where the venues are and what cities they are playing in. But I mean, the sky's the limit on this one. I've got I've got the two months off and uh, I could see myself going well across the uh, eastern seaboard for sure. And that's assuming the Eastern Seaboard really gets anything. You'd, you'd well, be yeah. surprised, you know. I mean, like right now, it was funny. Uh, uh, we talk about this in our RPK that that happens after this, and we talk about Langford, BC, and and Glendale, Colorado, being the two home bases, and talking about how sometimes USA uh, USAR goes out to the West Coast, but they're never really holding any uh, anything on the East Coast ever, as far as camps, and that's due to weather and, and a bunch of other crazy things. So I wonder how much love the east coast is going to get for some of these matches because if it's if it's held in october november well it's funny i saw something posted just recently and i i apologize to fans i can't i forgot to source it but uh they were talking about the article talked about top five stadiums uh that could host um sofi stadium in englewood california hard rock in miami so little you know southeast uh love there metlife stadium in new jersey um soldier field here in chicago and then the big house in Michigan, oh, Scott's boo, getting a big wood from that, um, dude. And yeah. let's 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 give my wife some due. Happy Valley Beaver Stadium can definitely hold like eighty thousand people, and they have a pitch, uh, a space big enough to make a rugby pitch. Um, yeah, but it's a bitch getting in. But you know what? It's one of those things. Like I think it's it's one of those things that quintessential. If you if you want to show a a foreign traveler like what college football is like, and it's not during college football season. 
go to Happy Valley where you have to, you know, stay in a hotel three hours away because all the hotels are booked in a, in a three hour radius. It's, it's that's it's true. Mr. Mr. New Yorkers love to ride the subway and public transportation to get to Hoboken and everywhere else. New York plays. You can't play outside the, you know, the, the city limits there. Yeah, listen, I don't take the subway. I drive two hours each way, bro. So I, I know, but it was you were just talking about somebody was talking about playing in upstate or you know, further up north. Oh, north yeah, they were talking, York, they were talking, and you yeah, said, Yeah, there's no public transportation. Well, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no trouble. No, that's true. There's no public transportation there. But here's another uh interesting thing, and, and I brought this up as well. Um, they played a college football game at Bristol Motor Speedway, and I think they have I forgot what the stands uh, I think the, it's like a hundred and Sixty thousand people at Bristol Motor Speedway, yeah. and they played the infield. That would be crazy. Imagine having a hundred and sixty thousand people. I think. I, also, I just did a really quick Google search. Um, apparently, the record attendance for a Rugby World Cup match is like is eighty two thousand nine hundred and fifty seven, mm-hmm. which is at Wembley Stadium in uh, during the twenty fifteen yeah. World Cup. So, I mean, like, how many stadiums in the United States can you guys use to shatter that? Oh, I mean, the big house is one hundred nine nine hundred one. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Happy so, Valley is over a hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, exactly. Giant so, Stadium like, is eighty nine. So the next question is: is what's the matchup that can get that done? But that's what I'm saying. Do the final at Bristol Motor Speedway. The final would sell out one hundred sixty thousand people. I would think. Yeah. What is the seating like, though? Like, how it's a bowl. Is it a a good bowl? Like a yeah, decent. I think like because just like, had wide the only track, right? Like it's not that. I don't think it's not that wide. It's not that wide. It's a, Bristol a short, short track. track? I'm trying yeah, I believe to it's a short, one of the shorter tracks. Yeah. I think it's like Darlington short track style. But I just figure, like, why not have it there? You know, because you can have the most amount of people and then really mess with everybody internationally and say, well, <laughs> U.S. maybe didn't win the World Cup in 2031, but they broke the record by almost double. Well, can't the Coliseum hold close to 90,000? Yeah, I, th- I think they're up in the high 80s, the maybe low yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah but, um, there's a, there's there's I think twelve stadiums that are, have a capacity over. But, but let's face it, by you know I, I think by that time the requirement's going to be have you know a, a a Texas stadium or I don't know what it's called these days, but you know the the Dallas Cowboy Stadium type of jumbotron, you know, so that no matter where you are in your seat, you get a quality view of the game. Um, you know, I, one of the things that needs to be considered with two pieces. Number one, I think they're going to require the venues to have grass turf, natural turf, but I also think dimensions are going to play a role. So it's interesting to see, you know, how many of these host cities might actually kind of push to somehow reconfigure um, some of the shorter NFL stadiums or even college stadiums that are used to, um, you know, accommodating American football. And like, you know, I, I've mentioned online, you know, uh, the Chicago Bears have actually put in a bid at Arlington Heights, which is out here in the Burbs, not too far away from me. And, you know, that'll be a state-of-the-art stadium if they can get it done by that time. Uh, you know, possibly retractable dome, natural turf. Uh, you know, the, they've already got the fire that are playing at uh, Soldier Field now, so they might consider, you know, making it a much bigger, vet, you know, uh, uh, pitch size so to accommodate a lot of different types of, of um, sports. So uh, that could be a real venue. And here's the thing. Uh, sorry, sorry, Derek, but, you know, there's so many international fans saying a football field so small. What they don't realize is when you push out to where all the, the players and the equipment are, that's all grass and, and turf. And then the end zones have an extra 10 yards behind them up to the wall. So, I mean, you can fit pitches in there. Uh, I just think because you're not seeing it as, you know, a field of play during football doesn't mean you can't fit them in there. Well, the Soldier Fields and uh, sorry, in goal 
um, areas were smaller than usual when the when they when there's been so does it meet the minimum requirement? So why you guys need CFL dimensions solves all that. <sighs> First of all, like there's 18 guys on the field on each. You can run before the snap. It doesn't. Yeah. CFL doesn't. Hey, our balls are bigger. All right, that's all. <laughs> the, ball, the balls are bigger, so they can catch him easier as the guys running from 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage to fly past somebody. But no, I think I think people don't realize that you those be, can become playable areas, and you yeah. can fit you know certain dimensions in there. And, and it's not that, happening next week. Like yeah, yeah right, 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 right. You know? And I think I think people are just hating on the fact that we got it. You know? Well, I mean, even even if there is a, an NFL team that doesn't have the space to expand their stadium to fit a full-sized uh, world rugby pitch, you guys got another 7,000 stadiums that you can play in anyways. Right. I don't I don't really – which is also like going back to, I believe, uh, Rob's point earlier. It's like if there's any country that has the infrastructure to host any right. sporting event in the world by themselves. I mean, um, we're still using United our right. Olympic venues from every time we've hosted right. the Olympics. and. Well, what we see worldwide is we see some of these other countries create these Olympic venues and then they go to waste and they're never used again. We're still using LA Coliseum. We're still using it. We're still using the stuff in Atlanta. So we're still using Lake Placid ice arena. And uh, we have a soccer world cup in 2026. So, you know, I mean, it's a very, and another Olympics too. No. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot like, yeah. You guys are going to be fine stadium wise. Yeah, we'll have a good. At least of the problems with yeah, uh, right. any uh, any ho- American uh, hosting of a rugby World Cup. I feel like the stadium yeah, is probably the least of your worries at this point. Absolutely, I think just, uh, my I... only worry is that Doug Wilkie's retired and he can join me for for six weeks. In the why do you keep saying he's retired? Do Doug's like a twenty-seven year old man. Why Jeez, aren't you? Oh, Dougie, how yeah, old are you? Forty-two. Yeah. Okay. I'm All right. I got, got some I got, time. I got. Uh, I got nine years on you. Old timer. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll still have a few years left. But yeah, Rob uh, will be a pensioneer. It doesn't matter. I'll still be able yeah, to travel. Right. And a happy one at that. Yeah, and no love for Derek. I was to say, just Derek the, dude, you guys are young bucks. I mean, that doesn't welcome. mean we don't want to go to the rugby world. You're, you're welcome mean, to come down. Get off, off the time. You're down. welcome to come down. If we have it in Chicago, my, my house is open. <laughs> All right, I'll hold All you right. to that nine years from now. Uh, before before we get to our RPK with uh, Cole Keith, very excited to continue our uh, our episode of All Canadians all the time. But before we get to that RPK episode, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury, and Protec will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the Postmaster Social, ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, ARO will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continental United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use RANT15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game.
And welcome back to the run, pass, or kick segment of this uh, episode. Episode 95, fans, if we didn't tell you in the previous segments. And with us today, one of our favorite Arrows members, Cole Keith. Welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Uh, Happy to be on. Doing well, man. Uh, You know, I got to be honest, I don't get to do the RPKs much. And recently I've been um, getting in on them a little more and more. So I'm very excited. Uh, Real quick, born in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, let's see. Let's list off some club teams here. Belle Isle Rovers, Atlantic Rock. Then we can get into his uh, Rugby Canada career. Rugby Canada under-20s, Canada A. Canada senior team, uh, the first cap was against Chile. 24 caps with Rugby Canada senior team. And 20, uh, excuse me, 30 appearances with Toronto Arrows. And you were also named Rugby Canada's Young Player of the Year in 2017. Man, that's like, you know, a hell of a resume right there. Um, yeah, geez, you're, you're making my head kind of blow up here. I don't, have to, <laughs> I don't get to hear that too often. So, uh, yeah, that, thanks. Yeah, hey, listen, again, it's it's real cool to have guys like you on who, you know, grew up playing rugby in North America. I, you know, we're a North American show here. We don't just focus on USA. We focus on Rugby Canada and USA, focus on all different codes. And it's just great to see, you know, your your history of playing rugby and working your way through to get to the senior team cap. And, and it's this is what we like. We like having our national team players on here. Um, so real quick, the first, if you guys actually haven't uh, seen an RPK, what we do is we're going to preface uh, Cole with a run, pass, or kick before every question. And what that means is he's going to say, let's say he decides to run with a question. He's going to answer that question. You know, let's be honest. Everybody likes to run with the ball. Um, if the, he thinks the question's too hot, the pass has come out of limb too quick, he can pass on it, right? Don't worry, no harm, no foul, don't have to answer. Or if he's feeling a little cheeky, he can kick that ball back to me, and then I'm going to answer the question how I think he would answer, and then we can have fun to see whether or not I was you know, close with the answer if my answer was shit. So well, we're going to find out. Cole, you ready for the RPK challenge? Can't wait. Let's go. So this first one, of course, our buddy uh, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. Oh, the first ones are always good. So imagine that you've been invited to the Oscars by fellow Canadian Seth Rogen. Run, pass, or kick. <laughs> As you roll up to the red carpet, would this be your vibe with Seth Rogen? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll run with that. Yeah, that's definitely my vibe with Seth Rogen, I think. You know, pretty funny guy. That's an old uh, kind of get dug into the arc archives there for that photo so uh i didn't know that was still hovering around the internet to be honest with you so, oh uh, he got he's gonna go clean all of his social media yeah, yeah our buddy rob uh, yeah rob the hammer hammer yeah he gets he gets in there he gets a deep dive into a lot of guys social medias and, and we pick some some photos and, and some of the guys are like whoa i don't i don't even remember you know i remember doing the photo he goes i don't remember putting it on facebook and i'm like well it's there uh but yeah you know what you have a good look in there i'm gonna go back to the picture real quick you know yeah Letter Kenny before Letter Kenny. You know what I mean? <laughs> a little Funny bit. enough, that was uh, actually at a rugby camp when I was with the Atlanta Rock <laughs> team. Uh, uh, yeah, that's I mean, awesome. We'll say we were 19. I'm pretty sure we were. So yeah. uh, that, that, that's the legal age in Canada as well. So uh, we're, we're covered on those bases. But uh, <laughs> yeah, me and Seth, geez, we, we kind of geared up like that. We'd, we'd have a, a great night on the town. <laughs> that's awesome. Speaking of night outs on the town, you and my wife have something in common. Oh. You guys both have a birthday of May 7th. Run past wow. your kick. How'd you celebrate? Uh, yeah, I'll run with that one, too. Um, it was actually the night before we played uh, New York. 
I believe it was last week. Yeah, just not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and uh, a few of the boys just chilled and didn't really get up to much. And, and I had a cheeky piece of cheesecake with them. That was about it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Listen, yeah. it's you, know, you, you got to prepare for game day. New York's coming to town. You're in a dog fight to, for that third place, you know, and at that point it was really up in the air. You know, you were close to New York at the time. New York hadn't moved up into second place. So obviously stone cold professional you are, you're not going out partying, you know, on your birthday the night before a match. Come on, man. Yeah, no, no, I didn't do that. Just, you know, got got a few extra, you know, calories, carbs in there for the energy, you know, for the Absolutely. Day. So that's, cheesecake. That's big guy's science. a big fan of the cheesecake, if you couldn't tell yeah, by the physique. Me man. too, by the looks yeah. of me. So <laughs> uh yeah, me and my wife took my wife out to a nice dinner right on the Hudson River. Uh again, we're fans of dessert. She had a German chocolate cake. I had a creme brulee because I'm fancy like that. Uh yeah, it was a good night. It was a good in New York, I'll tell you, the weather was gorgeous for us. So it was nice to just hang out by the river and, you know, have one of those quiet things, man. I'm old. I don't need any of that, you know, partying all night long. That's <laughs> Those days are behind, yeah. Yeah, dude, we were in bed by like 9.30, woke up Sunday all refreshed. You know, uh, <laughs> time nice. to do yard work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question. So uh, the Toronto Arrows played the 2021 season entirely in the United States, making their temporary home in Marietta, Georgia. Run, pass, or kick. How excited were the boys to return to their home grounds at York Lions Stadium against Rugby ATL this year? Um, yeah, I mean, everybody was super excited, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, the year on the road last year, not going to sugarcoat it, you know, wasn't that fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't, oh, I'm that, sure. uh, wasn't that great of a, a season. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody kind of had that one game uh, kind of circled on their calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was awesome. Everybody, you know, just having, you know, the the fans cheering for you instead of against you um mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it was, it was awesome it was great great to finally get a game back up here in, in toronto and, and everybody loved it so yeah i mean all my friends uh, all my arrow friends uh were, were excited all the fans doug wilkie um karen gasparino uh derek Brissett, uh doug and, and derek you guys have seen just before on the the previous uh the previous rant segment they were on the rant segment with us uh our buddy Kyle Ferguson at Averzio Wellness. Uh, he's a big uh, Arrows fan. So it was ex- I was excited about their excitement. You know what I mean? Um, it's one of those things where that was one I caught on the replay. Uh, I think it was the same time as the Rooney match. But there was a there the intensity that on the field and coming from the fans of finally getting that home game after you know the entire season away. I mean, it's just I'm sure it was just magical for you guys. It was magical for your family who, who were I'm sure who were there. Um, you know, and, and I, I gotta be honest, the toughest thing we saw guys who decided not to play in 2021 because they knew that they couldn't make it work, you know, in the States and good on them because, you know, if you know, you're not going to make it work, right. Do what you need to do. You know, and it, the things will change. And then guess what? 2022, you're, you're back up in Toronto. It was nice to see. Um, and, uh, I, I gotta be honest though. I wanted to go down to Georgia to catch a double header you know, ATL and you guys play. And I just, I didn't get down there. And I think that's one of my, my biggest regrets is to just say I went down there and, and caught, you know, a double header for, cause you know, in 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about like, Oh, 2020, you know, was five matches and we had to stop. And then we came in 2021. And could you believe Toronto played the, you know, the entire season in the United States and people aren't going to believe it. You know, we're going to have yeah. little kids, you know, who, 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 you know, are 10 years old watching the MLR and we're going to be like, no, you don't understand. Toronto didn't play in Canada for an entire season, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Yeah. We were actually uh, joking about that today. A few of us that, you know, in 20 years time, there's going to be an E60, you know, about oh, def- I'm telling you, we, 
or, or 30 for 30 and we were just kind of going over all the all the crazy things that you know uh that that happened throughout the year and, and just having a laugh about it but yeah we were like you know 20 years we might be getting a call from espn here to, to do a little segment and, and i mean i wouldn't that, be surprised man and we could make a four hour long documentary on some of the stuff that happened there it would have to be longer than, than, than 60 minutes so uh they do a special every time they hit the you know the next five year the next 10 year anniversary of this event uh you're a hockey fan new jersey devils played in a snowstorm 300 fans showed up to the arena and they took down the names of all 300 fans and every year on the date they all still get together that's it's, awesome. it's crazy and and yeah wow. espn like you know it, it has to be 20 25 years since since the game and the espn yeah. does does something for them every five and ten year anniversary of it and they all got they had a night form you know 10 years later and they all got 10 year jerseys and it was crazy and and that's, that's the type awesome. of stuff but those are the stories that are what is going to make the lore in the mlr you know you have all those stories that that you know from other leagues and this is one of those things that just i think broadens uh what we are about here and you know we got it wasn't ideal but we got the rugby played. You know what I mean? And I think exactly. that's the, yeah. the moral of the story of your guys' resilience to come down here and, and play rugby. So yeah. so talking about your five months in Marietta, run, pass, or kick, what was your biggest challenge personally living in Marietta? Um, I would say probably uh, just being away from friends and family um, and living in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not the hotel ideal. was awesome for the first two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, then, not uh, ideal whatsoever. But it got old pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's kind of being away from, you know, your loved ones and people that you see on a regular basis. And then living in a hotel is, is a close second for, uh, yeah, four or five months there. So those are probably the biggest challenges. Other than that, um, the Atlanta orga- organization was was great to us. They gave mm-hmm. us pretty much full reign on their facilities and, nice. and where they trained at and stuff like that and, and their catering companies and and all that stuff. So um, the rugby part of it wasn't, you know, as challenging as it probably could have been. Thanks. Thanks to them. But but yeah, just, you know, being away and not really having an, an escape, I guess, at the end of the yeah. day, because you're just back at the hotel and everybody had roommates and, and that was it pretty much. So uh, lot, lot okay, a so lot of cards got played. Going to follow up. Run, pass or kick. Who are your roommates? Um, I just had one. Oh, yeah? Why not? Actually, he's okay. in San Diego this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we room together. Uh, we're both, we'll both enjoy golfing a, a fair bit as well. So, uh, really? it was nice to get down there. We could play golf in March when we got there and didn't have to wait till, you know, the end of May, like we would in Canada. So, uh, so yeah, me that's, and Pat, we were, uh, we were roomies the whole time. That's interesting. There's so many, uh, uh, players in the MLR that are big golf fans and they play a lot of golf. I think it's interesting. A lot of the New York guys, you know, Dylan Fawcett, Jason Emery, uh uh brendan o'connor i, I mean they they uh, on their bye week they went on a golfing trip and like half of them went you know together yeah. to just golf around around new york and it was freaking cool it's interesting yeah. i guess i guess maybe it's just because it's a little more technical and laid back like what how do you why do you think you gravitate towards golf yeah just the i don't know just the social game i guess i played when i was younger uh kind of since i was uh, a junior i guess mm-hmm. you could say and uh just kind of stuck with it all the way through and it's just a great way to get out there and you know, blow some steam and then hang out with the boys and, you know, have a little banter as well. You know, yeah. there's a few of us that are all about that. So uh, it's just, <laughs> just a fun game. I don't know. I just love it. The golf bug has, has definitely bit me and it's uh, it's bitten Andrew Quatron as well. He went all out oh, last really? year when he, uh, when he found out that there was a little three, crew of three or four of us. He, <laughs> uh, he went all in and 
he dropped some money on some new stuff when he was there. So uh, the, the bugs got him as well. Oh, that's that's great. I'm terrible yeah. at golf. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll go out and play with my buddies. My yeah. buddies are very good at it. I got to buy at least 30 or 40 balls for a, whole, <laughs> for a round. But uh, next time you guys come to New York for a match, although I know you guys have limited time, go to Queens next to City Field. There's a pitch and putt, you know, like a three three part oh, golf yeah. course. Yeah. Love that. I think the, the last tee time's at like midnight or one o'clock. Yeah. So, you know, after the match, you guys don't know what to do. Go yeah, to City go, Field. Right to the yeah, it's, it's literally awesome. right to City Field. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not that far. You can take an Uber there. Hmm. Um, so uh, we ha- we talked about 2021, the challenges of that season, you know, playing in the States. Um, our our last question here before uh, before we end the show here is we're actually going back to 2021, excuse me, 2020, you know, the truncated season, only five weeks of that season. And, you know, Got to be honest, Toronto was on a, a run there up until that last match. And, and you know, that last match against Glendale, let's be honest, it was Glendale's last match in the MLR. And I think when you have that kind of juice, you're just faded. You know, no offense to you guys. Glendale was faded to win that match. And it was a tight one. I think they won at the death. Um, and uh, but so anyway, the question is uh, run, pass or kick. Given that the team was in, in a bubble in 2020, you know, we were all on lockdown and things like that. What was the popular way to pass the time because you weren't focused on rugby? Uh, I'll kick that back to you. I'd like to hear what you, uh, your thoughts are, what, what you think, I guess. Well, you know, so for us in New York, it was March 15th was the day. Uh, the reason I know that was the day, it was a Saturday, and that was going to be the Rooney's first home match of the season. So I remember that, you know, St. Paddy's was a couple of days later. Um, I would think as a, as a Canadian, it's March. You can't do anything. So I would assume you were just doing a lot of act, outdoor activities. I know it was probably still a little cold up there, but I mean, you know, a nice, you know, hiking, walking around, just kind of being outside if you could. I don't know what kind of lockdown you guys had. I know, I know Canadian lockdown was a little stricter. Yeah. Uh, New York, New York lockdown. I still had to go to work. I, I work in a medical facility. So I was out and about. My wife just had to stay home from work, but she, I mean, she could walk around the house. We kind of live in the woods, you know, nobody's around. Um, with like, so without telling it, like what, where were you living? So that's, a, that's what I need to ask. Yeah. Like, you don't have to give me a town, but just like no, a no, suburb city, you know? Um, actually when it happened, when we got the call, we were on our bye week cause we had a week off after that, the Glendale game. Oh really? Um, yeah. And I was just back home, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the week, uh, spending gotcha. my time there. And, uh, yeah, we got this call and it was like, there's this you know, virus going around and yada, yada, yada. We're going to, you know, the league's going to be suspended for 30 days um, mm-hmm. is what we heard. And then everybody's like, okay, like whatever, you know, a little extra time off. I mean, no, nobody was too upset about it at, at the start. Cause I think uh, we were just going to spend another week and then start training again. Um, mm-hmm. And then about three days later, um, we just got the actual call saying that the, the season was canceled. Um, and yeah, we were just, I was just at home and I know some guys were away on vacations and everybody still had all their stuff in Toronto and, and this and that. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty hectic, um, of a time, but, uh, but yeah, I guess to, to kind of pass the time, I was just, uh, I was home the whole time, played a lot of golf. You know, I know we've already spoken about that because the, uh, in New Brunswick, they, they just kind of shut the borders down. So really anybody, even from Canada to come into the province, it was a two week quarantine. Wow. So they were pretty good. It didn't really get too bad there, um, you know, for a while, like mm-hmm. only a few hundred cases um, for a long time. And yeah, just, uh, you know, just enjoyed the summer and, and play golf and I go with friends and family and 
I just kind of passed the time like that. It was, it, it wasn't too overwhelming, I should say. Um, for the most part, I mean, obviously the lockdowns at the <laughs> beginning of it was, uh, you know, tough, you know, being able to leave, uh, leave the house. <laughs> but, uh, after that, it was only probably a month, maybe three weeks of, of strict lockdown. And then it was fairly back to normal. So now I know they have, um, uh, you, you guys have a, who's the hockey team up there? The sea dogs, the St. John sea dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's Quebec Major Juniors, right? That's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming by March they were probably canceling the season, right? I think so. Yeah, I think pretty much everything yeah. happened within a week. Yeah, um, it, it was all probably the, the end of their university season. sports yeah. or the college sports and stuff. They Crazy. they kind of got shut down or postponed, and mm-hmm. um, you know my beer league hockey team that I play in when I'm at home <laughs> every now and then. You know they didn't get to play the finals that year. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I uh, think everything within that two or three day span just kind of you know hit the fan and then it was gone. So that's crazy. And and just like that, unfortunately rugby was gone in 2020. Yeah. Um, but you know what? We survived the lockdown. You, you survived the, you survived five or yeah, five matches in 2020. You survived the lockdown. You survived playing an entire season in the United <laughs> States away from your family. And now we're back in 2022 and you guys are fighting for a playoff spot. It's frigging great to hear. It's a, it, again, when I think of the Toronto Arrows, I think the resilience of the team, the resilience of the organization, the resilience of the fans to stand behind you no matter what. I know there was um, games where you guys were wearing your um, your uh, club socks. Uh, that was frigging cool. I got to be quite honest. I thought that was great. And the fans were sending, you know, packages and things like that. I heard to some of the guys and, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but guess what? Rugby is a game of attrition, right? So, yeah, you know, I think we're, we're, you, you guys are best suited for, for, for having to, augment what you're what was going on and, and play through it yeah definitely we got yeah kind of touching on the the club thing there uh most clubs kind of or the arrows reached out and got everybody got little care packages almost from their home clubs uh you know the socks and, and hats and 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 shirts and um various other little things uh coffee mugs with the clubs on them and stuff <laughs> and just little things like that that almost kind of remind you um, it, you know, all the people back mm-hmm. home are, are pulling for you and still want to see you uh, succeed down there. And, you know, it, it was nice to not just be down there stuck in a hotel and knowing that, you know, that, that yeah. the people are watching and, and still supporting us. So, no, it's, it's awesome to hear. I love, love my fellow uh, Arrow fans. You know, uh, I love every fan in Major League Rugby. And I think uh, the Arrow fans just, again, show you what the sport is about, r- rugby is all about. And fans, if you want to watch the rest of this great RPK, I mean, I've I've added a whole bunch of questions that Rob didn't ask, and we kind of went away from the run, pass, or kick, but that's okay. You know, I like to freestyle a little bit. I mean, I, and I, I love talking about guys and their personal experience within Major League Rugby. But if you guys want to watch the rest of this episode of the RPK, you go to patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod, and only for $3 a month, you get to see both segments of the rant and an entire RPK, which also includes our quick cap segment. So remember, go to patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod to see all the action. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara, for Cole Keith, for Rob Hammerschmidt and Ty Braga, who couldn't be here. Thank you so much. And Ed, episode 95 is done and dusted, baby.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.